I feel like there's still this discovery happening and, and the process of podcasting is helping me to make the tacit explicit. And you know, bearing in mind the audience is a huge factor in that because, you know, who am I talking to right now? It's getting very existential, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> you, listener, that's who we're talking yeah, to. Yeah, hey there. <laughs> but, you know, as I think about as other people who may be listening to this as an idea of what would they do with a podcast? Why, why would they consider doing a podcast? You know, you're listening to Instruction by Design, your podcast to the art of teaching. In this bonus episode, we will discuss podcasting. We'll provide a general overview of the medium and discuss ways in which you can use podcasting in your classroom and or for your professional development. On February 11, 2004, in an article from The Guardian about the future of amateur radio on the internet, Ben Hammersley speculated about a rising form of media that allowed just about anyone to produce and share on-demand audio content. In the article, Hammersley wonders, but what to call it? Audio blogging? Podcasting? Guerrilla media? Podcasting was the term that stuck, having a connection with the most popular tech of the day, the iPod. The podcasting flame ignited quickly within its first few years, with liberated syndication, better known as Libsyn, launching its first podcasting service in 2004, the White House releasing its weekly address as a podcast beginning in 2005, and the MommyCast podcast signing a six-figure advertising deal with Dixie that same year. After the initial flame of podcasting burnt out, interest began to wane, causing some to declare that other than a few exceptions, podcasting was dead. But a renaissance in the last five years has begun to breathe life back into podcasting. High-profile shows like the true crime series Serial have gone viral. Multiple competing podcast networks like The Nerdist and Earwolf vie for pod supremacy, and already established media platforms like WNYC have begun opening their own podcast divisions. The 2017 Edison Report estimated that 24% of all Americans have listened to a podcast in the last month. That's approximately 64 million people listening to podcasts focused on news, sports, politics, comedy, true crime, fast food, old episodes of Say by the Bell, and just about any subject you can think of. There are even podcasts focused on instructional design, one of which you are listening to. So, from a conference room on the third floor of the Health North building on the downtown Phoenix campus of Arizona State University, we pull back the curtain of your guide to the art of teaching, the Instruction by Design podcast. My name is Ricardo Leon. I handle the audio production for the Instruction by Design podcast, released through the Academic Innovation Department at Arizona State University's College of Nursing and Health Innovation. Uh, usually I'm the silent one, monitoring the audio levels and doing the editing. So this time I'm going to be facilitating, and these guys are going to be doing all the editing later on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but with me today are... Stephen Crawford. Jeanette Senecal. Celia Katraitiwa. Aaron Kraft. All right. So what was your familiarity with podcasts before embarking on the production of this podcast, the Instruction by Design podcast? You know, I I start back a couple of years ago, and by a couple, I mean a lot. I remember the rumor that Adam Curry, the MTV VJ, was supposed to be one of the originators of the um, the term podcasting. I also remember Apple being really angry at the term as well. Because of the pod. Yeah, because of the word pod. So I was working with an institution on the East Coast and set up, and we set up the very first iTunes U store. I think it might have been even the third in the country, but it was definitely the first in Virginia. It was one of the early ones, and it was a very early pioneering project. And we were using it primarily to record and capture lectures in the classroom, ironically using iPods with microphones plugged into them to capture audio for foreign language classes and make them available for students to listen to afterwards. 
My experience is somewhat similar. I helped some graduate students around 2008, maybe, to produce some podcasts as part of their final project. And, you know, I certainly was familiar with the medium, but shortly thereafter, I pretty much believed that it was dead. So that that intro describes where I was at before we started this project. I was actually podcasting while I was working for a website called hujong.com. They are located in Shanghai, China, and I spent several years as an English teacher in China, and I hooked up with this website. I would go to their offices a few times a week, and one of the days they would let me go to a little sound booth they created, and they had me recording podcasts for them. I would put out about one show a week, and I called it Radio AK. So ever since I was a kid, one of my dreams was to become a radio host, and I'm terrible at at being a radio host. I've learned that after doing the podcast. However, I basically designed the format to mimic uh, like a radio show. And then I, it was for educational English. So then I would throw in a a song, an English language song. We would talk about the lyrics. I would have uh, the listeners comment in the comment section. And, you know, it would be like a little, a little fun English lesson put out weekly. Fun fact, when the Chinese government found out that I named my show Radio AK, they contacted Hujong.com and said only government-sponsored entities can have the label of radio, even if it's in English. So I had to change the name. Now, this was after I, I already garnered like 10,000 followers, which in China is actually, you know, like a drop in the bucket. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a big number in America. And so I had to change the name to Air AK, and which sort of stemmed the flow of people, you know, uh, of followers because they didn't know that I had to change the name. Mm-hmm. You don't just publicly say I got slapped by the uh, government. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's my experience with podcasting. Might be a selling point. <laughs> I should have thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> my experience started when I was a K teacher and. I had colleagues who were um, trying out podcasting with their students. It wasn't anything I had ever tried, but I just knew of it. A couple years ago, I went to the Online Learning Consortium's Innovate Conference. And there I met someone named Mike Lampy, who does the Active Learning Podcast. And so he had let me know that he was actually going to be starting it. So I started to listen to his podcast and I listened to a few episodes and they were very interesting. And I still listen to them here and there uh, when I do get on. And that was pretty much all I had known prior to this one about podcasting. So the podcasts that you guys are familiar with, you know, initially, were they kind of the the formalized, you know, how we, we, we definitely have done some work to uh, have like a framework for every episode, kind of more, more in a traditional broadcasting sense. Um, I know we're all familiar with like NPR and those sorts of shows. Were, the, were those, those programs that you guys were listening to, were they specifically with those, the thing that you were mentioning, Jeanette, with the students, were they, were they kind of, did they have like a formal? They did. They were a fairly short lived series because again, it was a terminal educational product and they weren't really continuing beyond that point. But there was a framework and kind of an internal theme and there was some dialogue. And then they also published some like patient education materials along with the podcast. So there was some supplementary information that would go along with each episode. Yeah. When I got started, it was in some of the early days, some of the early institutions who got involved in podcasting was like the University of Michigan. I think it was School of Dentistry. I want to think it was University of Wisconsin. And all they really did was turn their lecture capture system into having the ability to strip the audio out 
and make it available over a podcast and RSS feed. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I and a couple of faculty I was working with at the time was extremely interested in. It was really, it was really neat to see some of the early research on that topic because there was this, the line was students are doing oceanography in the gymnasium. And what we later discovered was, no, they're not on the treadmill running to their oceanography lecture. What they are more than likely doing is listening to it on their laptops while doing their oceanography homework or, or something else. So it was a really interesting uh, situation. Now, as a listener, I typically would listen to basically radio programs yeah. that were out from the BBC and from uh, CBC. So... You know, I listened to a lot of uh, British and Canadian podcasts because they were really early pioneers in that era, and they were online before uh, NPR was. I mean, because NPR was still stuck using real audio back in those days, so you could only stream that on on your computers. And I had this new iPod that had to do something with it. Right, right, and especially with like the CBC or with the um, the BBC, you need the on-demand access to them rather than you know, being able to listen to the shows when they're on or even getting access to those channels. What about what we do here? Uh, can anyone speak to uh, the creation, the planning, execution, and distribution of our podcast here? It's all Steven's fault. He started this, and I will speak for myself in saying that I told him straight up, this was not in my wheelhouse, but I would be a good sport and try it out. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I think you know, Celia mentioned one podcast that was starting up a couple of years ago, and there's been a number that have started up in the last year or two in this space of higher education that have appeal. And And I saw an opportunity for us. We had a podcast on professional development for busy faculty, and the reason why is that's the reason why this podcast exists. As instructional designers, we put a lot of time and effort planning out workshops, planning out presentations. And sometimes the faculty can't come to them for a number of reasons. They're in the middle of class. There's there are meetings. There's so many barriers that we've already talked about. And so for us, this is a great opportunity to kind of take out, well, what would we do if we we're going to do a little 30-minute audio presentation on this topic? And so we sat down with the Google – after we brainstormed a bunch of topics, we built a template where we have the monologue where we introduce the topic, followed by a couple of questions for the rest of us to kind of join in on. And, you know, one of our very, very first podcasts does not exist because it was, I think, how do we describe it? A very polite panel where we just, it was, we were all taking turns and trying to, to be very nice like you would at a, at a conference panel. And it's, it's like, no, we needed more of a, the goal was a conversation. And so here we are now trying to have a conversation on a topic that we think faculty are interested in. And we just actually, we just recently, uh, the group of us just did a presentation at a conference. What was the conference, Stephen? It was the MCLI, the Maricopa Center for Learning and Instruction. Um, they're part of they're they're the, out of the main office of the Maricopa Community uh, Community College Districts. So th they were doing their annual teaching uh, conference and uh, technology conference. Transformers was the theme. Oh That's yeah, right. Transformers. Transformers. More than meets the eye. We're <laughs> transforming <laughs> professional development as we speak and education. The yes. presentation was called "Broadcast Your Podcast: Professional Development Off the Rails." I was with Jeanette in the beginning. I wasn't as interested in podcast as a youngster having to sit through talk radio. That put a really bad taste <laughs> that, in my mouth. That was like people. torture for I me. I love talk radio. <laughs> oh. 
when you're sitting in a van traveling with your parents and they throw on talk radio, yeah, it was torture. It wasn't um, anything that I was excited for. (laughs) The only thing worse than talk radio is sports radio. Yes. I had a really hard time in the beginning with the buy-in part. I'm a reader and I'm not a listener. (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, I like to be able to see what I'm what I'm taking in and I like to be able to reread. So listening to podcasts, I've always had a hard time with because I want to be able to rewind and hear it again and, Mm -hmm. you know, really take it in. So I've, you know, I tried, I go on to NPR every so often and I try to build up this interest. But as we've done our own podcast, I feel like my interest has has kind of increased. I see the benefits to it with each one that we've done. I see, you know, faculty who have been interested in listening to it. And I see the not even just faculty, but other people that we've met when we've gone to conferences and talked to people about podcasting. I see the interest there. And so with that, it's helped me to start to grow and I guess more interest in this podcast that we're doing. And it it is it has been an enjoyable time just getting to dive into some, I wouldn't say random, but getting to dive into a topic and really take on that, not necessarily expertise level, but that kind of research to get that to get more background and then kind of present it and getting to go around the group to take on that responsibility to be the facilitator and be able to say, okay, this is what I'm going to present to you guys. These are the questions I want to ask. I would add to that that I think the the fact that we took some time to really plan it out before we started recording was really helpful to me to get over some of those concerns. But it really clicked when preparing the first episode as a facilitator and really thinking through, oh, these are familiar processes. You know, you're gathering your information, you're writing your objectives, you're you're thinking about it from an audience perspective and what they're going to learn. And then it was like, light bulb, we can do this because we do this. And, and for me, as the associate director for the group, I saw this as a great personal and professional development for the team because I recognize that asking good questions is important, and especially when you're doing qualitative research. So how do you ask good questions that generate discussion? But also, we're good presenters. We we can walk into a room with a slide deck or without a slide deck and present on a lot of topics. But the question is, what happens when it becomes an artifact? Something that we know that this is going to stick around for potentially years and years and years, especially if we don't want it to, because um, <laughs> the way the internet works. But it gives us a chance to, to think about, you know, how do we respond to things? And, and it helps us, I think, grow as, as individuals. You know, and I, I want to throw a quick question to Aaron because, you know, you were hired on and didn't start until we were just starting this process. In fact, we already recorded the first and second episodes and we threw out the first and then re-recorded it when you were with us. So kind of what was your first impression of coming into to a new team and all of a sudden here we are doing this? Um, I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, you know, when I did my podcasting, it was about a topic that I was very comfortable with, the English language. And I had been teaching for several years by the time I started podcasting over it. So for me to walk into a room, take I love music, by the way. I, I thought I was going to be a musician. I gigged professionally for another 16 years before I even started teaching. Point being is that I'm very comfortable with music. I'm very comfortable with English. So I would go in. I would pop these things out. and I would make jokes. Uh, it was very loose. It was very easy. But then all of a sudden, I'm learning about this new thing called instructional design. 
right? And I'm probably a, a mid-career professional at this point, so I'm not, I understand tacitly a lot of things, but then having to say it in an eloquent fashion just kills me sometimes. I mean, it's really <laughs> hard to do. So I'll, I felt like the game was stepped up. I went from super easy, nonchalant, I can do this, to all of a sudden, wow, I got to go home and study and throw some really uh, accurate and precise questions together, and I got to be ready for whatever questions get asked of me, and I got to make this thing solid and polished because the game just went up a level. Then you sat next to me who flubs all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard those flubs on the podcast. <laughs> I'm only judging my performance, guys. <laughs> Continuous improvement. <laughs> right, right. And you know what? That's That's been this this kind of journey that we've all been going on. It's just, it's just, it's gotten better. Everybody, everybody's starting to really come into their own as part of this podcast. It's been a really cool uh, perspective to, to edit these episodes and see how much growth has happened. I think what's interesting is, is you know, when I hear this the kind of story of the podcast described, I hear a lot of this kind of need for it to be a conversational thing. And what's interesting is that it, it is a it is definitely a conversational thing. And I think that has to do a lot with the team here and how how, you know, friendly everyone is with each other. But there is there's a very strong framework that goes into every single episode of this this show. And also, you know, and the, even the way that we've designed the way that we set up the mics and the way we kind of we sit everybody's facing each other here in a conference room there there is definitely some some work to formalize it beyond just the conversation you know where whereas i think that that could be a little bit of a pitfall and i've heard that in other podcasts where it's a little too conversational it's a too, little too laid back i think this kind of this the way that we brought in uh formality and conversation is 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 a really suc- obviously successful and i mean in terms that in terms that we we wanted to measure our success so so but what are some of the barriers to creating and distributing a podcast i think for me you have to be ready to to talk (laughs) (laughs) and you have to be ready to think on your feet because i for one am not a person who i like to do my research and really think about my answers before i give them so i find sometimes that when i'm you know asked on the spot or i'm not necessarily prepared for the conversation to go a different direction, that's definitely when I do my flubbing because I I like to sit back and really think about things before I answer. And so mm-hmm. that's where I struggle. Yeah, I would agree. Same here. The first couple episodes as a non-facilitator and just coming in feeling unprepared, even though I, I kind of knew what the topics were about and I had a sense of the questions, but it was like it felt very strange not to have handouts and slides or at least an outline or something to, you know, all the typical sorts of professional development preparation we would do. That felt Mm -hmm. very awkward. Mm -hmm. For me, it's been walking a balance between being prepared and doing improv. As the facilitator, you want to be prepared because you have the introduction and you want that to be clear and concise and lay a solid foundation for what the discussion is going to be, not just for the listeners, but for the folks in the room who we're recording with. Then you want to have well thought out questions and then you have to be ready to throw them out. 
mm-hmm. as the discussion mm-hmm. goes. It's like, you know, I've got these four great questions. I asked the first one, and now the other three just don't seem important anymore. Let's ask something else. As a participant, when you're not facilitating, you know, I, I look over everybody. Whatever is the topic is, I look at what's going to be the, the main introduction. I look over some of the sources that we've cited ahead of time just so I can make sure I'm familiar with them. I try to not do too much more beyond that because... I want it to be natural. I, I want to just be in the moment. And I think that's important. And I think it's also important for us as professionals when we're not podcasting and having a conversation anywhere is that we're, we're good. We're good enough to talk about these topics, whether the microphone's on or off. We just need to trust ourselves. Yeah. I, I got to say, though, it's one thing to be natural in your day-to-day existence. It's another thing to be natural in front of a microphone. It's still sort of a canned <laughs> moment. It's hard to... Forget that I'm not right now speaking to 100, 200,000 people. You know, that when the moment that I think about that, all of a sudden I feel all these restrictions come in and start filtering what I say when maybe, you know, maybe I should just forget about that and just speak naturally. But mm-hmm. it's a process. You know, I'm not a natural sage. I, don't, I can't just get in front of an audience and talk. So I have to learn to be that way. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely part of that process. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty big learning curve. But there is an important thing about filtering. Um, I have historically have said some pretty interesting things over the years that have been considered over the top. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and that's something that I think is important, especially as, as you move more into leadership roles. Your words have weight. And so, you know, I have to consider my role, who I am, what I do, how I'm perceived – and, and make sure that when I do throw those over-the-top things, because I will still continue to do them, but make sure I do it in the right context with the right framing and, and, not, and hopefully not leave them out there dangling by themselves and people wondering, is that what he really thinks? That it's really that whatever it happens to be the case? Um, but it, it's important. You got to be yourself. Yeah. It's good to know your audience, too. That way you know what to say. Like, I don't always know what I know compared to what you know, other people in the field are not in the field, know and don't know. So sometimes a lot of my knowledge, at least at this point, when it comes to instructional design and teaching, it's tacit knowledge. I just started discovering it outwardly when I was in my graduate program, and which admittedly was a few years ago, some years ago. But I'm still learning day to day. Like, this is how you say this thing. Like, oh, what I was actually doing back in Japan was actually a, a social constructivist methodology. I had no idea that's what it was back then. So I feel like there's still this discovery happening. And, and the process of podcasting is helping me to make the tacit explicit. And you know, bearing in mind the audience is a huge factor in that. Because, you know, who am I talking to right now? It's getting very existential, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> You, listener, that's who we're talking yeah, to. Yeah, hey there. <laughs> but, you know, as I think about as other people who may be listening to this as an idea of what would they do with a podcast, mm-hmm. why, why would they consider doing a podcast? You know, maybe they want to do something simple as record their class sessions and make it available to their students after the fact. We know from research that works really well when the students have difficult terms, especially medical terms with, again, going back to dentistry, going back to medical school, et cetera. We know that some people may want to do this because there's a hobby that they want to share with the world. A lot of those early podcasts, I remember one of my first ones I listened to was in this little tiny show that a couple people watched. I think I think one or two people watched it. I think it was called Lost. Um, you know, and there were a couple, you know, and, and these shows got big enough that the producers called in and some of the stars. So that was kind of interesting. And while I don't expect that we're going to have big, big names in instructional design and teaching and learning calling in to help us with our faculty development, you never know. Right. But that was one of the other things that I thought as well is, you know, we go to conferences 
And we ought to have equipment with us that we can take to those conferences and record those immediate reflections and capture experiences and meet experts in the field. And, and we're trying to take advantage of that at future conferences where maybe we can interview a couple of those individuals and bring things to our faculty and to our listeners who would not otherwise have an opportunity potentially to, to hear. And not to geek out too much on the technology, but we're using our, for our recording device, we have what's called a Zoom recorder. And, you know, and we were able to do this at a uh, relatively low cost. It's only uh, a $350 recorder. So it's, it's not that expensive when you compare it to other things out there. And then, so we can get good audio for, for you to uh, edit for us. You know, we're using these Audio-Technica microphones and what's really nice about them, and if you want this specific model number for those who are looking to do their own thing, they're the AT2005. And the reason why we went with those is because these microphones have both an XLR connection, which talks straight to or plugs in straight to the Zoom, or a USB connection so you can plug them into your computer directly. Um, like in this session, we have five of them right now, four of them go to the zoom, one into the laptop so we can get all the audio captured in one shot, you know, and you can build out a kit for under a thousand dollars and it travels. And right. so, you know, Silly and I recorded a session at the OLC conference. I'm planning on recording a, a at least one podcast at the Quality Matters Conference um, this fall. And who knows what will happen after that. And that's the interesting thing about the, the technology it's it's grown so much that you know I'm a media specialist and I basically I have a whole studio within a few a few tools specifically with the the computer you know the software that I can have to to kind of produce all this stuff it it's it's really kind of opened up the the field of media production I I came to podcasting a little bit differently from you guys it sounds like you guys were worried not being you didn't have enough authority to speak on a podcast for me being on a podcast or being in front of a microphone it gives you that authority the fact that you're you're willing to put the effort into standing up there and, 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 and sharing your knowledge. I think that that gives you the authority and justifies, you know, it does a lot. It doesn't do everything. You still need to have something to back it up, but it does. Ricardo, it does producer and it. motivational speaker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, See, yeah. I knew that. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeanette. I was just going to say, I, like, I knew about the mics having USB and XLR, but I never would have thought to have said that out loud to people. Like, I guess they mm -hmm. need to hear that. Right. And mm -hmm. so I yeah. learned something new. Yeah. Well, for me, with that authority thing, I just aspire to live up to my 11-year-old's label when she accidentally <laughs> was held captive to previewing one of our season one episodes, uh -huh. and she said, you guys are boring but informative. So <laughs> I just aspire to live up to that now, you know. That's, that's, that's the tagline. Yeah. Boring but informative. It's going on the yes. logo. Indeed. <laughs> well, if you guys have, you listeners, have any uh, questions, uh about podcasting that you guys feel like we are uh, have enough authority uh, to answer, uh, please reach out to us. Um, I'm I did not write this part down. At IBD underscore podcast, we're on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. Um, you know, for just for just you know, we talked about recording, and yeah, I mean, I mentioned that the kit that we have. I mean, theoretically, we could have used an iPhone or an iPad and just record it off of that. But that would then make that bus that's 20 feet behind us very hard to edit out. Right. Um, so we have, you know, we use, you know, the software we're using, uh, we had a couple of choices. We had, you know, there's always Audacity, which is free, difficult to use sometimes, but free. 
There's GarageBand if you have a Mac. And we chose to go with the not-so-free choice of Audition from Adobe uh, Creative Cloud. And we're posting our um, our episodes on the uh, on SoundCloud. We went yeah. with the pay subscription so we can get the statistics and find out, you know, what episodes are being listened to the most and kind of get an idea of what people are liking. And we also put it out through the normal channels of Google Play and the iTunes Store. And, you know, we have it all on our website at links, L-I-N-K-S dot A-S-U dot E-D-U slash I-B-D as an in instruction by design underscore podcast. And, you know, having those and, you know, and having our Twitter account with IBD underscore podcast to help provide those opportunities for connection and, and talking to people and distribution. Yeah. And we've gotten some feedback. Yes, correct? we have had some emails um, with interested I love <laughs> listeners <laughs> wanting to know more about um, different topics that we're talking about on here. Um, for me, it was a specific to a, an active learning technique. So. And then we had one person who asked some questions that we're going to address in the in one of our fall episodes. So we're, we're, we're taking that information and using it to plan. Yeah. We also, in um, future episodes, are adding in actual faculty to come in as guest speakers. So Real nice. live faculty? Real actual live faculty. <laughs> yes. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, we do have some faculty in this room as well, but this one's real. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Shots fired. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not kidding, so real. Kidding. Me neither. Yeah. Well, with that, um, I, I can't, I'm trying to end it like my other podcast. Oh, say, what do we so dig yourself? Right yeah. How, how are you going to credit yourself as the producer? Well, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, we 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 invite you guys to reach out to us and give us your feedback and suggestions for episode topics and uh, start the conversation with us um i my name is ricardo leon i am the this is how we do how do we do this <laughs> just like that man just like that. i am ricardo leon you need to keep that in there how do we do this what do we do <laughs> what do we seriously though what do we do <laughs> All, yeah. all I have to say is I am so glad I'm not Ricardo having to edit this episode. <laughs> yeah. I feel so much better that it's not uh, me. That the level of guilt next to my flub. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today in our conversation of, uh, of podcasting. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast on podcasting um, with Aaron Kraft, Celia Kuchwaitiwa. <laughs> How do you say it? <laughs> Stephen Crawford and Jeanette Senecal. With a special thank you to the uh, ever prepared Ricardo Leon for without him. This would have gone a lot faster. (laughs) (laughs) The end. We'll see you guys in the fall. We got one more. Oh, we do have another one? Yeah, Yeah, we got But not today. (laughs) Good night, everyone. Good night and good luck. You can reach us on Twitter at IBD underscore podcast. That is IBD as an instruction by design underscore podcast. Or you can email us at instructionbydesign at asu.edu. To find previous episodes, please visit our website at links.asu.edu slash IBD underscore podcast. This podcast was produced by Arizona State University's College of Nursing and Health Innovation.
Oh, oh, please tell me you're still recording. Oh, that's hilarious. You know, I, yeah, you could have sounded like Keith Olbermann. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Those are for all the Resist. times where you're probably editing my stuff. Like, damn it, oh. Okay, so I think we've now decided that the lightning round will be the next episode to be released. Hopefully around the first Monday of uh, June. It's going to take him a lot longer to cut this one With a little, with a little <laughs> bit of luck, this, this episode will be ready for the summer. first Monday of July. 